governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good, noise, good news of great joy <laughs> that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born, born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So ends the reading of God's word, and you may be seated, please. You know, this morning, I, I hope I'm bringing you good noise, okay? So <laughs> I, I, I think that fits, right? I hope it does. Am I on, Scott? Okay, good. Just wanted to make sure everybody heard the good noise, and, and they are. You know, a couple things. First of all, I, I normally don't wear a tie. And secondly, I don't normally wear a tie like this. But this is our daughter's wedding tie, which I had to wear for the wedding. So it was the closest I had to Christmas. So that's why you get a green tie this morning. Secondly, I know some of you have come a long distance just to hear noise. And uh, thank you for that. I know some have come from Auburn. Thank you for coming from Auburn. Um, some have come. Anybody else? I know one special one. We're saving them for the end. Anybody else come any distance to come today to hear noise? What, how far did you come? What? what? Colorado Springs. Yay! <laughs> and it's wonderful to have you back. I like it. Okay. Anybody else come any great distance? South Hill, Yahoo! Wow, you slid down the street and uh, got here. Yes, from Redmond. Okay, good. Thank you, daughter, for coming and bringing mom. Anybody else come any great distance? Well, we have a record breaker today. Let me see where they are. There they are right here. And you've come all the way from Japan. Yay. 
So thank you from, for coming from Japan and listening to this noise. Thanks for being in the Air Force and protecting us. We appreciate that. We really do. This morning, I, I'm going to need some help. And, and you're going to see why, because I'm getting older and my memory isn't as good as it used to be. So I, I, need, I need this section to remind me of the innkeeper, okay? So when we get to that point, you need to remind me in case, in case I forget. Okay, this section I need to have you remind me of the shepherds. You got that? Can you do shepherd? Okay. This section I need you to remind me of Herod. Yeah, great. And this section, I need you to remind me of the religious leaders. And I will try to remind me of the wise men. Okay, in case I forget, all of you can help me with the wise men, okay? Now, if you've been following along in our series, we, we've been, tr look at that. You get an outline up there to help you anyway. But as we have gone through this Advent season, what we've tried to do is to try to make your Christmas simpler. To, to try to make it so it really takes on the, the whole aroma, the whole taste of what Christmas should be. And this morning we're going to talk about less stress and more joy. Would you like that? You know, that is a choice. You know, we just don't wave our magic wand and say, there, you have joy. You have less stress. But there are decisions that we make all of the time during this Advent season, which helps us to decide whether we are going to have joy in our heart or whether we're going to experience stress. Now, I understand that joy can only come from one place. Now, there's a difference between happiness and joy. But the joy can only come from one place, and that is Jesus Christ. And we're going to see as we look at this that the answer, the choice, the response always needs to be Christ. So if you're stressed, or by the way, men, how many of you do not have your shopping done yet? Yeah, I relate to that. And women, how many of you do not have your shopping done yet? About as many men, and there's more women in here than men. So I understand that too. Are you beginning to get a little stressed? You do know it is the 19th. We only have six days left till Christmas. They probably do not have stores open on Christmas. Although we're getting to the place where they might have stores open on Christmas. For all of you men especially who want to wait really to the very end. This morning, I, I want to help you. I, I want us to look at the responses of these different people that we've talked about in order for you to look and say, okay, do I fit there or do I not fit there? Is this, whatever this response is, is this causing me to have more stress or is this response helping me to have joy in my heart? Okay, you, you ready for that? Can we do that? So the first person that we're going to look at is the innkeeper. Thank you. And understand the innkeeper has this whole idea, and it starts with pre. It's preoccupation. So you innkeepers, 
you probably are very preoccupied at this time of season. By the way, you know, we talked about the wise men and how many there were. Do you realize we really have no clue how many there were? We know they brought gold and frankincense and myrrh, but we don't know how many. There probably were more than three, but we don't know. So let me ask you a question about the innkeeper. How many times is the innkeeper mentioned in Scripture? And the answer is none. There's no mention of an innkeeper in the Bible. Now, some of you are going to say, yes, there is. And you're going to go home and you're going to look. Or if you really get bored with the sermon, you're going to look now. <laughs> it talks about them going to an inn, but it doesn't mention the innkeeper at all. But I, I want you to look and, and just kind of visualize in your mind what this whole thought is, this, this response of an innkeeper. Now understand that people had been called for the census. They had come to the city. His place was packed. And if you were an innkeeper, you'd be running all over the place hoping that your guests are, are just really satisfied, having a great time, the rooms are okay. I mean, you haven't had this many people in your inn forever. You love this new census thing. In fact, you probably think it should be every year or maybe three or four times a year because it brings money into the coffers. And your thinking here is, okay, I like this time because I'm making a living. I mean, this ends my year just perfectly. This is great. Praise God. You know, that is your response. You know, you are preoccupied with everything that is going on. You're rushing here, you're rushing there, and all of a sudden, here comes this knock on the door. And this man and this very pregnant woman want a room. Are you kidding me? Do you know what time this is? Don't you know you have to make a reservation ahead of time? This is not just any ordinary Motel 6. This is a high-end quality Marriott. Yeah, right? Okay, it really wasn't. But he had no room. And so he rushes around figuring, okay, you know, what am I going to do with this? And, and by the way, some people portray the innkeeper as a hero because, you know, he tried to find a place for them. Some people portray the innkeeper as the villain. Oh, what a mean-hearted man. You know, why didn't you find room in here for us? I, I had to laugh. I, there's a, a little piece that I, I heard about and uh, Zig Ziglar, how many of you have heard of Zig Ziglar? Yeah, and, and Zig Ziglar tells a story about his brother. And his brother came to this hotel, and, and there was no vacancy sign on there. And the, the brother came in, and he says, you know, I, I really need a room. I'm tired. I know it's late. I don't have a reservation. Don't you just have one room? And the guy at the desk said, we don't have anything. Didn't you read the sign? Can't you see that we are full? It says no vacancy. I know it says no vacancy, but, but I know how you act. I mean, there has to be a room here. Oh, no, we don't have a room. And so the brother said, you know, if I was the president of the United States, if, if he came to your hotel right now and he said, you know, I'm the president of the United States, don't you have a room for me? Couldn't you find him a room? 
And the guy stopped and he says, well, you know, yeah, I guess if it was the president that we probably could find a room. And so Zig Ziglar's brother said to this person, he says, you know, I can guarantee you the president is not coming here tonight. So I will take that room. <laughs> you know, hero, villain, well, that's up to you what this innkeeper is all about. But we can figure that he was very preoccupied with what he was doing. Now, is that our response at a time like this? Do you realize that there may be more people at the Fred Myers area over here right now than there are in this church right now? <laughs> Preoccupied. They make a choice. Here is something that they feel is necessary. Not going to church. Not talking about Christ. Oh, Christ. More. Moss. Not that. But getting to Fred Myers and getting that ham. Or getting to Fred Myers and getting that eggnog. Or getting to Fred Myers and who knows what they're getting. They're preoccupied. Do we find ourselves preoccupied at a time like this? Do we find ourselves with our mind other places? Oh, we're here in church and we're talking about Jesus today. And we can check that off our list and say, okay, I've done my duty to God and my country. You know, I'm good to go. And yet, do we find ourselves preoccupied? Is that your response? Maybe. All right, let's see. We did the innkeeper. Now, what are you? Shepherds. Now, what kind of response would the shepherds have? And I think as we look at the shepherds, maybe the right word for it would be the response of privileged. Shepherds, you're privileged. Now, understand here with the shepherds that the shepherds generally were the poorest of the poor. You know, they couldn't get a good job, so they went out and stayed with the sheep. They were usually very poor, very smelly, very cold. You know, all of these things rolled up into one. And yet, they were privileged. Now, why would shepherds be privileged? Look at what took place here. The angels came, and they talked to the shepherds, and they talked about this special child that was going to be born Wow, they were the first to know. They got the inside scoop. You know, talk about inside trading. They got it. And they decided, let's go and see this child. They were privileged. They were honored. They got the first message. Now, is your response today privileged? Is that how you look at this season? Are we privileged? Well, you know, I doubt that any of you really came along here and, and you've studied the scripture and you said, oh, look at all these prophecies about this child that's going to be born, this Christ child, this Messiah. I think I'm going to come and be a Christian. I, I doubt any of you went there. I, I just don't think you did. Nor do I think that you're so smart or so rich or so whatever that you feel privileged that this is all yours. And yet I do think we are privileged in the sense that, that as we come, we come in a country like the United States. We come to a country that has a faith in Christ, one nation under God. Now I know that we are wondering about whether that's really true, whether our country really feels that anymore. We do. 
We understand that. But look how privileged we are to be born in this country at this time when there is a faith in Jesus Christ. We are very privileged. And how privileged are you to maybe some of you have a parent or parents that dragged you to church when you were young, that took you and held you in Sunday school and said, you listen, you pay attention. And you listened and you paid attention. And you're privileged to have somebody who cared that much that you might get that idea, that concept, that faith in Jesus Christ. Is that your response today? The response of being privileged? Maybe. But let's look at the third group. Now let's see. You were what again? Herod. Herod. Now, Herod's a little bit different. Amen? Amen. And, and Kim didn't want to be Herod at all because she knows about Herod. And I think the response that we see with Herod at that time of when Jesus was coming was that response of fear. Now, Herod was the government. Herod was the authority. Herod was the king. Herod was the almighty, at least in his eyes. And yet there was fear on his part that he might lose that, that he might lose his authority, that he might lose his position, that, that there might be an uprising. And the one thing that the Romans did not want is in all of their areas to have hot spots, to have uprisings. And so he would have been quite concerned, quite fearful that something was going to happen and he was going to lose it all. Now, understand what kind of person Herod was. Why would he have that attitude of fear? Do you realize that it was this Herod that killed his favorite wife? Do you realize that? Do you realize it was this Herod that killed three of his sons? Did you realize that? You know, this man was a man of fear. His response was a response of fear. A king is being born? But wait a minute, I'm the king. And he's going to be almighty, all-powerful. Wait a minute, that's me. And so it just comes back to the fear that he had. But what about us? Is our response fear at a time like this? Now, I'm sure you're not saying to yourself, you know, I'm going to be king, and, and I am king, and I have the authority. I mean, you probably aren't saying things like that. You're not that delusional, are you? I, I don't think you are. And yet, think about the fear that might be in our hearts and in our minds. I mean, just the whole idea of what happens if I give myself totally to God. What happens then? What happens if I do what the preacher talks about and, and I make Jesus the Lord of my life? All of a sudden, I, I begin to lose control. All of a sudden, my life changes. And I'll tell you, if you give your life to Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior, your life is going to change. It has to, because what we're talking about is taking the, the reins that we have in our hands, guiding our life, and giving them over to somebody different. 
that's a little scary. What is that going to mean to me if I do that? Hmm, I'm a little afraid of that. Am I going to become really weird? I mean, are people going to look at me in a really strange way? Are people going to think, oh, that's that Christian. Do I have to be different if I do that? Maybe our response at this time of year, as we think about a Christ child, about a Lord and Savior of our life, is that response of fear. Next one. What are you? The religious leaders. Hmm. And maybe the religious leaders, maybe the response that they have is a response of pride. You know, those Pharisees, those scribes, I mean, they were it. They were at the top of the religious realm in that day. I mean, they had it made and doesn't it seem strange to you? I mean, it does to me that these religious leaders who knew all about this kind of thing, who had studied the scripture, who had understood what was there, that they didn't want to go find this Christ child. They didn't want to go and see if this really was the Messiah. Doesn't that seem strange to you? The ones most versed in the ideas there, the smartest ones in those whole scriptural, in those whole Torah, in, in all of that that was going on there, that they didn't want to go and worship the king. Hmm. I wonder why. Could it be because of pride? I mean, are we going to admit that shepherds knew more than we knew? Are we going to admit we didn't have it firsthand? We weren't the privileged ones? Are we going to admit that we've deluded people all along and all of a sudden we're saying, here is the king? Hmm, pride. So what would our response be if, if it was a response of pride? Maybe it's like an... an Maybe this is the hardest one for us. Maybe it's the thought of, you know, we have it so well. We have so much money. We have such comfort. We have all of this. I mean, I have control of my life. I have a job for those of you who have jobs. I, I have food. I have a house. You know, life is good. <laughs> I don't need this Christ child. Now, I, I, I know none of you are kind of quite there, right? And yet, as I think about that, I, I think maybe pride seeps its way in to who we are and what we're all about. Because I, I think somewhere along the line is, yes, we trust in Jesus, kind of whatever that means. He is Lord of our life, kind of, yes, maybe kind of whatever that means. And yet, when you really come down to it, I'm sure glad my pension plan's so good. Yeah, right. I'm sure glad I have enough money in the bank that I can retire. Yeah. 
I'm sure glad that I can go down to the grocery store and buy all the food I want, and that's all right. And I'm sure glad. No, is that pride? And is that our response as we look at this whole idea, this whole concept of Jesus Christ, Lord of Lords, King of Kings? Could that be? Let's look at one more. And who's the last one? Oh, wise men. How fitting. Okay, maybe not. So, what would the wise men, what, what would their response be? Hmm. Any thoughts? Praise? Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? They did come and praise. Any other thoughts? Presence? Very good. Presence and being there and presence and bringing gifts. I like that. You know, your answers are better than mine. I maybe just preach on yours. Perseverance. They had to persevere because they came a great distance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perceptive. Did you look at my notes? Johnny, very good. The, the whole idea of a response of being perceptive. Now understand, they were a great distance away. Understand, they were not Christians. Well, of course not, because Christ had not come yet. And yet, what happened is they saw this star, and they were steadiers of stars. They saw this star, and they perceived that a king must have been born. That something good really must have taken place. And not only did they perceive that, I mean, we have these wild dreams every now and then, don't we? But they took the perception that they had, and they acted upon that perception. They journeyed to find this king. Remember, they didn't know a whole lot about this, and yet they perceived that this was something special. And so they journey and they come and, and they must have been very important because who did they talk to when they got here? Herod, the king. I mean, you don't just get in to see the king. But these are wise men. These are very important people. And they come and they come to Herod and they say, you know, we perceive that a king is being born. Oh, great, that fit Herod real well, didn't it? That just set him up just right. And so Herod sent them off and said, come back and tell me, you know, if you find them. I want to know. Why did Herod want to know? Got to get rid of the king. Remember the fear that is there? And the wise men journey, and they find this child. Oh, not that night, by the way. You do know that, don't you? You know, as we watch the little cartoon and so on, understand that wasn't all scripturally true. Understand the wise men were not there on that night, that they had come later. And yet notice the perception. A king must be born somewhere. Something important must be happening. And they follow the star to where this child is. Now, is that what your perception is? 
is that your response? You know, the response of saying, you know, there's something important about this Jesus Christ. There's something important about this whole Christmas story. I, I guess I have to laugh as we try to take Christ out of Christmas, as we try to make it holidays. Well, you know, I almost like that in the sense it could be holy days. Hmm. And, and I'm thinking about taking Christ out of Christmas, and I'm wondering how many people want to go to work on Christmas because they don't believe about Christ. Wouldn't that be interesting? Okay, you don't believe about Christ. Why don't you go to work today? Hmm. But you know, as we perceive, we perceive in our hearts, and, and I truly believe that, that as we look at Christ and this whole idea of life, that there is some void when there's Christ that is not there, that it is not Christmas for us because we don't believe in Christ. I truly believe God has made us with a void that needs to be filled with Jesus. Now, we know what that is. First of all, we know the Bible tells us we've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We know that all have sinned, even us. And we know that we're not going to be in heaven if we don't figure out a way to get there. And the only way the Bible says to get there is to receive Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life as Lord and as Savior. So my question to us today then is, is yours a response of perception? of understanding how important Christ is. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. I, I know that you are here and you already believe this or you wouldn't be coming here. And yet I hope you gain a perspective that you became, become wiser, that you become wise men and women in this whole thought, this whole idea. Because it's not just a thought. It's not just an idea but it's a plan that God put forward. You know, Molly Brown had said something that was very interesting, and I, I could read you the quote exactly, but let me try to tell you the concept of it. And, and the concept of it is about how, how a little baby can lift up its hand and grab your finger and pull you into who that child is. And how that changes your life. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been around a little grandson or a little granddaughter? Or maybe you remember back to your children. And, and how you'd just stick your finger out. And it would grab a hold of your finger. And it melted your heart. You remember that? Think about what God did here. That he sent his son Jesus. A little baby. And that little baby just reaches up and grabs our finger. And when it grabs our finger, it grabs our heart. You see, that's what Christmas is all about. Us coming to the point where we perceive that Jesus Christ came and he lived and he died and he rose again for us that we might have life and have it abundantly.
Let's pray. Lord God, thank you. Thank you that as we come today, we, we come with the thought of, of something special is happening. Oh, it happened last year and the year before and the year before that. Lord, we know that, but way back when you sent your son Jesus, that things changed. Lord, help us to open our hearts today to the specialness of this Christ child, this baby who came to earth and reached up to grab our finger to pull us to you. Lord, thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If we can now receive our offering.
Thank you, choir. You know, you're the second best choir. Well, the first best we're going to hear in a little bit, okay? But, but not quite yet. Thank you. Very well done. You know, we, we talk about the stress of the holiday, and it is stressful. And yet, as we look at stress and as we look at all of these responses, our, our choice is what's all important. You see, we can decide whether this season is going to be a season of sadness or whether this season is going to be a season of joy. If you're going to get caught up in all of these things, all of these responses that we saw that the characters of this, of this Christmas story, if you're going to get caught up in that, then there is going to be stress. Then there is going to be sadness. We have the choice. Is this going to be a hallelujah chorus? Is this going to be a hallelujah Christmas? It is up to us. And guess what we get to do right now? You are all going to be the best choir. And this is exciting because most of you have not sung this other than maybe in church here a couple of years ago. And this is going to be exciting because we have a band. Yay. I, I, I got a question here, band. How many of you have not picked up your instrument in, say, a year or more? Raise your hand. Oh, this will be exciting, won't it? So the good news is they're going to play, and you're going to sing loudly, and it's going to be wonderful, isn't it? Amen? Amen. Amen. Since I don't get to get up here again in front of you until next couple of weeks probably, let me remind you of what's coming up. And, and what's coming up on the... 24th, we have what? We have three services, don't we? Christmas Eve services. And the times are 6, 8, and 10. All the services are going to be alike, so come and be a part of those. Then on the 26th, we have, that's a Sunday, by the way, we have church, but the service is at 10 o'clock. Very good. Then the Sunday after that is the 2nd of January, and we have how many services? Two, Two. and at what time? Nine, Nine. and 11.15. That's right. By the way, did you get your email, your e-flyer? I've challenged you to see if you're man and woman enough for this. You're saying, huh? You're going to be ticked off with me, and that's Okay. In fact, on Christmas Eve, it's going to be a stinky sermon. I'll tell you that right now, so bring your friends. And then on January 2nd, we're going to be challenged. I am challenged by what I'm going to be preaching. But I think it's truth, and I think we need to hear it. So great way to start out the new year with a challenge. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah? Hallelujah? Okay, let's sing hallelujah then. <laughs> First of all, if any of you have sung in a choir before and, and sung Hallelujah Chorus, I invite you to come. If you'd like to join us in the choir this morning, why don't you do that? If, uh, and some of your music, you'll find when it was photocopied, you got pages 1, 3, 5, 7,